two are better off than one because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad because there is no one to help him. If it is cold, two can sleep together and stay warm. But how can you keep warm by yourself? Two people can resist an attack that would defeat one person alone. A rope made of three cords is hard to break. We serve a God of abundance, yet you're still living paycheck to paycheck. We serve a God of order, yet your house always seems to be a mess. You feel unappreciated and overwhelmed just trying to keep up. Does the noise of life drown out the voice of God? Hi, my name is Gina Morton, a Catholic wife, mom, and declutter coach. Welcome to Pruning to Prosper, the podcast where we talk about all the practical things to run your home smoothly. Clutter, money, mindset, and yes, everyone still wants to eat. So we'll talk about that too. That nagging in your heart is God telling you he has more for you than just trying to keep up. If you're ready to get uncomfortable, get brave, and see what you can do, then grab your garden shears because you're about to prune away the stuff so you can prosper into the woman God has called you to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pruning to Prosper. I'm your host, Gina Morton. On this podcast, we talk about pruning away all the practical things standing between you and the woman that God has created you to be. And today, I want to talk a little bit about finding your tribe. In the book of Genesis, it says that it is not good for man to be alone. So very first book of the Bible, God's telling us, like, you need to find your people. So he created Eve for Adam, and we need to find our people, our tribe. Jesus had his big group of followers, his disciples, but then he had his 12 apostles. And then within the 12 apostles, he had his core group of James, Peter, and John, and they were his inner circle. And sometimes I think it's the the best part of the party is when everyone leaves. And what I mean by that is you might have your, you know, going back to your wedding day, if you're married or you go to a big party that at just at someone's house and then the music is going and people are dancing and the drinks are flowing freely and everyone's having a great time. But then eventually people leave and you're left with just the core people. And that's when you kick off the fancy shoes and you pop open a bottle of beer and you drink it straight from the bottle and you just say to your really good friends, wasn't that so fun? And it's a whole different level of the party. It's fun, but in a different, more intimate way, right? And that's who Peter, James, and John were to Jesus. They saw him at the big party, the big, glorious transfiguration. And they also saw him at the lowest point in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, so you're going to need your tribe to get through all the different seasons of your life. When I was in high school, my tribe was literally my cross-country team and my track team, but cross-country was a little bit more intimate because we would go on such long runs together, whereas track, you were kind of separated out into the different events that you ran or if you were in field, you know, field events, things like that. But cross-country, we were a tight-knit pack. And we would begin before the school year even started at running camp. 
So you got to really know the new runners, and um, it was a great chance to bond with your teammates. When I was a freshman, we um, we had this motto, and it was on our, our shirts. And my coach came up with it called Stack the Pack. And in cross country, it, it may appear to be an individual sport to some, but it's actually a team sport. And you, the idea is to have the least amount of points, and that's who wins the overall meet. So you could have your runner come in first place and she would be a one. And then your next runner might be 10th place. So she's 10. So together their score is an 11. And you might think, wow, well, their runner got first place. So they're probably going to win the meet, but not necessarily. So if another team came in second, third, and fourth, their score is going to be the two plus a three is the five plus the four is a nine. So they beat out your first place runner and your 10th place runner with their score of 11. See what I mean? So the idea that my coach had was stack the pack. Like it doesn't do us any good to have the first runner and then the 30th through the 40th runner. Like we need to stack the pack, even if we're not coming in first together. And there were also different strategies we would use in running cross country races. And I'm going to have a lot of running references in this podcast because it was it was the bulk of my childhood, really. I ran for the same coach from fourth grade until I graduated high school because I ran for him for a club, and then he also coached my high school. So I was with him for a very long time, and it was a, a big part of who I was at that age. And still, running is a major part of my life still to this day. So... One of the other tactics we would use would be what we would call split a runner. So if there was a single person in front of us from a, an opposing team, there might be two of us together running behind her. And we would kind of like give each other a little nudge, like it's time to split this girl. So we would go one on the left of her and one on the right of her. And then we would immediately regroup in front of her. And running... I don't know what the official numbers are, but I believe running is 90% mental and 10% physical ability. And the idea between splitting that runner was to really like just divide and conquer. We are going to mess with her mindset and we are going to regroup right in front of her so she can see the back of our shirts and the name of our school on the back there. And just mentally, it kind of just takes people aback, right? Um, so that was one of our strategies. And when I was a freshman, that strategy proved to work very well because the varsity cross-country team went on to win states that year for my high school. And I believe it was the first state state championship in our school's history as well. So it was a great year and the, the stack the pack worked. And that was my tribe back then, my closest friends. And it worked for all of us to hit one common goal, which was to win states. Your tribe is probably going to change throughout your life, okay? I rarely, if ever, see those high school friends. Maybe here and there on Facebook. Um, I cheered for one at a local half marathon one time. But really, I don't see those girls in my day-to-day -day life. And when I became a, a, a new mother, I didn't know anyone in this, this city where we live now. And in fact, um, I can trace almost all my current friends back to meeting this one man at a, um, 
a political meeting. And I had my son, Charlie, in my arms, and he was only about three months old, I think. And we had to go around the meeting and introduce ourselves and just kind of give a little bio. And I stood up and I said, you know, my name is Gina. I'm a new mom. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, just looking to get involved in the community. And so at the end of the meeting, this guy turns around and he said, oh, my wife is in charge of the mom's club. Are you looking to join a mom's club? And I was like, yeah, sure. And those women became my tribe. And I can trace almost everyone I know back to mom's club from these early days. And these women are just the best women ever. And one thing in hindsight that I will caution to young moms, if you're listening, is I was so frugal, and this is a different, different money topic that I would get into at another time, but I was always saving for the unknown because my husband was building his business. We never knew what the income was going to be, and I was so hesitant to spend anything. So, And we were also sharing a car, my husband and I. In hindsight, I should have spent the extra money because they would go to Chick-fil-A or they would do mom's night out. And I always said no, because I just felt like it was just too much money to ask, you know, my husband to support this. And he would have. And, you know, or if it was because I didn't have a ride, but everyone was always willing to drive me. And I think I would have been a much happier mom had I nurtured those those friendships better. I'm very lucky that so many of them are still my friends, but I probably could have gone deeper sooner with a lot more of them if I had just put in a little bit more effort and not worried so much about the nickel and dime of what we were doing every week, if that makes sense. So if you're a young mom listening to this, I would encourage you to find your tribe of um, fellow mommies that you can kind of raise your kids with and do life with. Because now... Fast forward, we're all in the same boat with teenagers and going off to college. And, you know, some of us are just a year or two apart with our kids. So it's like, okay, you got to tell me how to get this this next season done. And so that was that that time period. And those women are still kind of, uh, you know, in my tribe right now. And the current tribe that I really resonate with today is my tribe of friends that are also building their businesses. So if you've tuned into Printing to Prosper because you are ready to break away from your corporate job, or maybe you're going from corporate to stay-at-home mom, or you're just making some sort of a pivot or a change, or you're ready to take it to the next level, you're going to need another tribe. I have like a small group of friends that are my Peter, James, and John, that we're just like, we're all in this together. We see each other at our best moments and we see each other at our loneliest, lowest moments. And we are all figuring out this path to running a successful business together. And what one person is strong in, another might not be quite so strong. So we help each other. You know, I did the YouTube thing for three years. So I tell my one friend, like, don't waste any time learning about YouTube. I can teach you in like five minutes. And now I'm doing the podcast. So I say the same thing to them. Don't spend any money on podcasting courses. I can teach you. And then we have another friend that's good at Canva. And she's, you know, she gives us tips and tricks on that. But mostly you're going to need your tribe because what you're doing might not be popular. It might not be understood by even your spouse. 
and you're going to feel very lonely. And on those days when you are just not getting the business that you're looking for and you're wondering, is any of this worth it? I'm working so hard and I'm just not seeing the fruits of my labor. You're going to need a tribe that is with you. Like we just, we text each other constantly. We have masterminds once a week where we figure things out or sometimes we just go get coffee and we work quietly next to one another on our computers. And then now that I'm getting to this podcasting, I'm meeting other podcasters and we're, we're, I'm going to do a few interviews where we're going to swap. They come on my show. I go on their shows. So like we will all rise together. You've heard that phrase faster and farther together. And that's what we're all trying to do. So maybe you're hearing this and you're like, I don't have a tribe. Where do I find my tribe? So what I want you to do is think about where you are and what interests you. And there is a tribe out there for everyone. I guarantee it. Now, it will it will probably mean that you have to get a little bit vulnerable. A few years ago, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years ago now, I ran a prayer group in my house and I just sent an email asking people if they wanted to grow in their faith. And I sent it to 10 people and I got nine yeses. And I was like, great, you know, because I'd rather have one person that really wanted to be there than a hundred people that were kind of like, eh, whatever. But it was a lot of those same women from Moms Club that we were just at a different season and we were ready to grow in our faith and the challenges of parenting, you know, like they say, bigger kids, bigger problems. So we were all like, oh my gosh, how do we navigate this next season? Let's do it together and let's strengthen our faith while we're at it. And I happened to mention in one of those meetings that I didn't have a best friend. You know, like I loved my my best friend from college, but she's an hour and a half, two hours away from me, and I haven't seen her in 13 years face to face. So like I needed a friend. I needed a best friend local. And I happened to mention this in prayer group one night that I didn't have a best friend. Well, the next day I wake up to an email from Lori, who you guys have probably figured out is one of my nearest and dearest. And Lori sent me an email that just said, I'll be your best friend. And I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I didn't really know her that well. We met through church. Um, and then she ended up at my prayer group somehow. I don't remember exactly how she got there, but people would bring friends. Or I would just invite people, but it grew to like over 30 women in prayer group. But, um, and Lori lived eight, well, I guess it was 16 blocks because it's the numbered streets and then there's one in between usually. So she lived about 16 blocks from me. But again, I didn't have a car. I don't think I had a car at that time. I don't remember. But anyway, I would walk my dog past her house because I never responded to her email. I was so like floored by the, the offer to be my best friend that I didn't even know how to respond. But I thought... I'll just start walking past her house more often. And that's what I did. I would walk the dog and the kids and I would go for a walk. And Lori had these big front windows. We used to call her house the fishbowl because you, it looked like a dollhouse. Like you could look in and see all the people moving around and the furniture and the houses. And it was such a cute house. And so it was really easy to see when someone was walking in front of your house. And she would come out if she could. And we would chit chat for a little bit. And if she couldn't come out, she would just wave. And I would keep on walking. And that was kind of our little signal to one another that I could talk or I couldn't talk. And slowly but surely, we built a friendship 
Fast forward, she and her husband are now Alice's godparents. So we didn't just become friends. Like, now we're family. So that was her. It was me being vulnerable because I was admitting that I didn't have a best friend. And it was her being vulnerable by putting herself out there. So what I'm asking you to do today is is to get a little vulnerable. If you're not finding your tribe where you are in your season of life, you're going to have to get a little bit vulnerable and brave. But I know because you're listening to this podcast that that's who you are. You're a brave girl and you're going to do this. And just getting through that little bit of scariness is going to be so fruitful on the other side. So we became friends because of a prayer group that I ran out of my home. But there was another time after I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and I I just had Josie, who's now almost nine years old. And I had run a half marathon in October of 2012. And I thought it was my last half marathon. So I really pushed myself to train and I was going for my, my best time. And I thought, I'm going to go out on a bank. I'm not going to, you know, half, you know, what this. So I trained really hard. And after the race, um, the following weeks, my feet were hurting. And I was just kind of like, eh, okay, I trained really hard. And I kept chalking it up to running. And then I got pregnant with Josie. And fast forward to the summer of 2013, she was my first summer baby. So I was big as I could possibly be. She was the end of August. And I could hardly walk on the beach. And I just thought, well, this is what it is like to be pregnant in summer, I guess. But by the time I delivered her and brought her home, I couldn't even carry her. I couldn't walk across my kitchen. I couldn't even make the coffee. I had to teach Charlie, who was eight at the time, how to make the coffee. And it was just the most devastating season of my life because I went from being this athlete to I can't even hold my seven pound baby. Um, And it took me years to climb out of that place of pain and with my medicine and with diet, I, I slowly came out of it. It took me about five years and I read an article. Um, my dad happened to leave this magazine on arthritis at my house one day and there was a woman on the cover and it talked about her journey of arthritis to being a marathoner. And at this point I could still barely, you know, I hadn't run in years, let alone consider a marathon or half marathon. And this woman's story just captured my heart because she was in so much pain in her feet from her arthritis, her rheumatoid arthritis that she asked her doctor to remove her feet. And this might sound extreme if you're listening to this, but the pain is just unbearable. <laughs> it's unbearable. And I could totally sympathize with where she was coming from. And so her doctor said, your, your feet aren't bad enough. Like we can't do that. They're not bad enough. And so she thought, well, I'm going to make them bad enough and I'm going to start running. So she, in an effort to try to make her feet worse, she actually found that she was getting better. And now that I know so much about rheumatoid arthritis and having an autoimmune, 
it really is exercise. While it feels like the very last thing you want to do, it, it is, it is the best thing you can do for your body. And so she just kept running and she realized the more she ran, the better she felt. So, and eventually she was running marathons and, um, I was so inspired. I thought, let me strap on the old running shoes and see what we can do. So I got out there. It was a Sunday and I ran a mile and it hurt like heck. And I thought, okay, I did it. And then the next Sunday I ran another mile. And then the next Sunday I ran two miles and I was like, okay, this is actually not feeling so bad. And so I, I just kept running and building it up. And then finally I reached out to one of my old mom's club friends who was the president of a local running club. And I said, Hey, tell me about this running group that you have. So I joined her running group and they became a tribe and just the nicest most diverse group of friends I have. And I'll tell you, we laugh and we get up, you know, at the crack of dawn. And now that we have a book club and we, they do, you know, there's different little groups within the running group, but these women are now my, my tribe. And that was because it was an interest of running. Okay. So you're going to look for some sort of common denominator in, in your, your tribe. Okay. So it might be your people that you work with, but it might be the people that are also have little kids. It might be people that are starting a, a business. So another way I met a friend recently this year is, uh, or not this year, but during during quarantine, COVID times, I, w- I joined a course and it's on Facebook. And you, part of this is you get to have these, you know, access to this Facebook group. And I met my friend, Jen, and we were just, I don't know. She posted something about having a cluttered bedroom. And I was like, oh, I can help you with that. I do that. So we, we zoomed and we laughed so hard. I was like, I, I, I recorded it to use on my YouTube channel, but we ended up having such a good time. I, it was not fit for, for YouTube, (laughs) but anyway, she's my friend I was talking about that has a podcast and she has a membership and it's just like this random girl from, from Chicago that is now one of my closest friends. And that's because we had this common bond of like being in this, this course together. So I would encourage you to look for your tribe in something that interests you, whether it's building your business and you take a course on that, you take a course in podcasting or you, you take a course on you know, knitting or Jen has this membership and maybe there's people in a membership because I know that once you get a little older and your maybe your kids are kind of going off to college now, it's hard to make friends. Uh, and I think that it's something that's not talked about a great deal, but I think there's a lot of lonely women out there and they're just kind of looking for their tribe. So look for something that you enjoy. If you enjoy traveling, then try to find a group of women that travel. I have, I have one friend that's, um, a single woman with two, two boys that are, you know, getting up into high school age. And she's an avid backpacker and she's in a group of women that hike the Appalachian trail together. Like whatever interests you, I bet there's a group out there for you. You just have to do a little bit of research and find out, um, where they're hanging out. And I'm sure they would welcome you into their tribe. So the homework I want to give you for today is to do something out of your comfort zone to find your tribe. 
send an email, join a group, sign up for a course, go to that art gallery opening, go do a book club somewhere. But whatever you're interested in, I guarantee you can find your tribe. And if you don't have a tribe anywhere, come join our Facebook group. There is a Pruning to Prosper Facebook group, and I also run courses, and you're going to meet wonderful Catholic women on their journey of deepening their faith, and you are always welcome there. So if this episode has touched you in any way, I want you to just think for a minute, and that woman that's coming to your mind right now, she's the one that needs to hear it. So follow that breadcrumb from the Holy Spirit and share this episode with her. Have a wonderful week, ladies, and I will see you next Wednesday. Take care.